us now read together what we confess. First of all, Belgian Confession, Article 25. You can find it on page 510 of your Book of Praise. And then Lord's Day 38 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Article 25 of the Belgian Confession, we find God's word summarized there as follows. We believe that the ceremonies and symbols of the law have ceased with the coming of Christ and that all shadows have been fulfilled so that the use of them ought to be abolished amongst Christians. Yet their truth and substance remains for us in Christ Jesus in whom they have been fulfilled. In the meantime, we still use the testimonies taken from the law and the prophets, both to confirm us in the doctrine of the gospel and to order our life in all honesty according to God's will and to his glory. Now then, Lord's Day 38 of the Heidelberg Catechism. That's page 550. We find here a summary of God's word about the fourth commandment as follows. What does God require in the fourth commandment? First, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained. And especially on the day of rest, I diligently attend the church of God to hear God's word, to use the sacraments, to call publicly upon the Lord, and to give Christian offerings for the poor. Second, that all the days of my life I rest for my evil works. Let the, work, let the Lord work in me through his Holy Spirit, and so begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. This afternoon, the concentration will be on the rest, and especially as we find it in our reading, and we read from Hebrews 3 and 4, and verse 4, 9, and 10, I want to read once again. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. After the sermon, we will sing together from hymn 11, the stanzas 1, 2, and 5. Hymn 11 teaches us about the Ten Commandments and also about the day of rest. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, brothers and sisters, according to the author of the letter to the Hebrews, there is still a Sabbath rest in effect. Looking around you in this day and age, you would hardly think so. The world of today no longer knows of a Sabbath rest. There is hardly a difference between the one day and the next. Every day is like any other day, a day of commerce, of recreation, and of work. If you want to, you can work seven days a week and shop seven days a week. A day of rest is now only optional. And you can take it whenever you like. There's no longer a special day set aside for it. This is a change from the past. Until 30 years ago, that was not the case. At that time, the Sunday was kept as much as possible as a day of rest. Stores were closed and most businesses were as well. 
And this change in society affects the church as well. The day of rest of Sunday is no longer kept in the same way as it was in the past, also by people in the church. Some of our young people today, for example, think that there is nothing wrong with going to a store on Sundays, making others work for them, to go to a restaurant, or to partake in all kinds of recreational activities. Even some older members of the congregation changed their thinking. Although it is still not very common, yet more and more people in our churches see nothing wrong with working on a Sunday. They believe that as long as you try to attend church as much as possible, that then you're not doing anything wrong. After all, so they say, Christ fulfilled the Sabbath. When we speak about rest now, we speak about a spiritual rest. It is only for that reason that you go to church on Sunday. The Old Testament prescription of not working on the Sabbath no longer really applies. It is something of the past. In our sister churches in the Netherlands, this is a hot topic nowadays. Some 10 years ago, a minister in the Federation proclaimed from the pulpit that although it is necessary to attend church services on the Sunday, and it is good to rest on that day, the Lord does not hold it against you if you also work on that day. And that matter came up on a general synod of our churches, and it was decreed that this minister as such did not say anything wrong. That's all that synod stated. It did not deal with the issue as such, for it did not want to make any pronouncements about what could and could not be done on the Sunday. And that leaves some people hanging, most people hanging and wondering, do we have a day of rest or don't we? And if we do, then what exactly does that mean? How do we put that into practice? Well, according to Hebrews 10 verse 9, a Sabbath rest for the people of God is still in effect, even today. But now, what does that mean? Some say, some say that that speaks only of a spiritual rest. Others disagree. But let us hear what God says about that in his word. I will preach to you about the Sabbath rest for God's people. And we'll look at three things. The basis of that rest, the fulfillment of that rest, and then finally the remainder of that rest. In chapter 9 of chapter 4, the NIV inserts the little word, then. And that alerts us to the fact that this text may not be taken in isolation from the context. The author is drawing a conclusion from the foregoing. And therefore, in order to understand the argument, we must understand these words within the context of what he is saying and to whom. This letter to the Hebrews is written to the Jewish Christians. They had embraced the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. They believed that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the one for whom they had been waiting. They believed that he is the Son of God. They had seen his powers, and they had seen the miracles that he could do. But it is not easy to be a believer in the midst of a hostile and unbelieving world. In spite of their faith, or better said, because of their faith, these Jewish Christians became persecuted. And they had to endure many hardships. And therefore, some of these people started to give in. Some of them even started to fall away. 
They had become tired, weary. And so this letter of the Hebrews was written to urge them on, to encourage them. The author reminds them of what happened to their forefathers during the time of the Exodus. At that time, the people had also seen the power of God, for he had performed some wonderful miracles when he let them out of the land of Egypt. When, but when certain obstacles came their way, they too lost faith. When they were about to enter the promised land, the land of Canaan, they became afraid of the enemy. For Moses had sent out 12 spies, and 10 of those spies came back to tell the people that it would be impossible to capture that land. The fortifications were too great. The people were too numerous. Only Caleb and Joshua disagreed. Only they continued to believe in the almighty power of the Lord God, but not the majority of the people. They agreed with the ten spies that it would be impossible for them to go into the promised land. And you know what happened then, don't you? Because of their unbelief, the Lord God said that that whole generation would not be allowed to enter the promised land. So for 40 years, these people had to wander around in the wilderness until they had all died. Only the next generation would be allowed to enter. Now, here in the book of Hebrews, the author warns the readers. He quotes Psalm 95, which also speaks about the days of the Exodus. And David, the inspired author of that psalm, refers to the promise made to the people when they were about to enter the promised land. Joshua had told them in Deuteronomy 12, verse 10, that in that land he will give the people rest from their enemies all around and that they will live in safety. He repeated that promise at various other occasions. And David in Psalm 95 also speaks about that rest. But says, David, those people did not enter that rest, that rest that they would find in Canaan because of their unbelief. But now, what does the author to the Hebrews say? He says that, is, that there is more at stake than just the promised land. For God also speaks of another rest. And that is why he also speaks of another day of rest. And that rest has much greater significance than the rest in Canaan. What is that rest? Well, says the author to the Hebrews, it is the Sabbath rest. Indeed, brothers and sisters, think about it. When Israel entered Canaan, there were still many battles to be fought. They had to continue to fight against their enemies. They had to continue to trust in the Lord to fight their battles for them. It was a lot of hard work, and it took a strong faith. Doesn't sound much like a rest, does it? Although there is a foretaste of the rest in the promised land, there is a much greater rest in store. That is the Sabbath rest that is referred to here. And that is the point that the author to the letter of the Hebrews wants to make. There's more. What does the Sabbath rest exactly refer to? To understand that, you have to go back to creation, at which time, the first Sabbath rest was mentioned. 
It says in Genesis 2, verse 2 and 3, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God rested from the work that he had been doing. Why? Because he was tired? No, there is no weakness in him. He never grows tired. As it says in Psalm 121, verse 3, The Lord will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. The Lord never sleeps because he never gets tired. What does it mean then that he rested? Well, that means that he ceased from his activity of creating. He stopped doing what he had been doing the first six days of the week, and then he rested. The reason is given in Genesis 2, verse 3. Namely, that he blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. That seventh day became a very special day for the Lord God after he had created all things. The fact that he made that day holy means that he set it aside for a very special purpose. And the purpose was that that could be a day of celebration. The Lord God wanted to be able to look at what he had done and to enjoy that creation, to enjoy the work of his hands. And he set a special day aside for that. After each day of creation, we are told that God saw that it was good. But at the end of six days, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. At that point, the whole creation was complete. There was nothing lacking. Everything fit together in a most intricate and wonderful way. It was very good. You can taste some of the greatness of that creation in the way that the NIV translates this verse. Chapter 2 of Genesis begins with the words, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. It was really something to behold. It was awesome. It was a momentous occasion when God had finished with his creation. Now it was a time for celebration. And he indeed celebrated on that day. For that reason, he also blessed the Sabbath day. To bless in the Old Testament means to endow something with the power for success. It means to proclaim prosperity and well-being on something. God's blessing on the Sabbath makes it a very happy and joyful day. And now you can understand how terrible it was when man disturbed God's Sabbath celebration. For that is what happened when Adam and Eve fell into sin. By sinning, they spoiled creation. They ruined all that God had made. That wonderful creation became marred by sin and evil. And how terrible that was. God no longer could delight in the creation in the way that he could before. The day of rest, that day of delight, had turned into a day of sorrow and distress. Therefore, that creation had to be restored. The Lord God did not want his Sabbath rest to be disturbed. 
The joy of the Sabbath day was gone, and that joy had to be restored. It is for that reason that the Lord Jesus Christ came, that he sent his son on the earth. He came in order to restore the Sabbath rest. Second point. In the NIV it says that there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. You see, the Sabbath was not instituted by God as a day of joy just for himself. No, he set that day aside for you and for me, for man. Man could share in God's Sabbath rest. That was God's plan from the very start. He too wanted man to enjoy his creation to the fullest. He wanted man to share in his glory. Just because his creation was now spoiled because of sin did not mean that God gave up on his creation. The Lord God once again made this a day of joy because of the promises that he made to man, the promises that he made of the restoration of the total rest through the coming Messiah. He promised that right away already in Genesis 3 verse 15. And that is why in the Old Testament the Lord God had commanded man to rest on the seventh day in the first place. He had set a whole day aside from that. One out of the every seven days will be totally dedicated to the celebration of God's wonderful deeds, his deeds of creation and of recreation. It was on that seventh day that God's people had to gather together and to worship him. It was on that day that sacrifices had to be made in the tabernacle and in the temple. For the Lord God promised that his day of rest would not remain spoiled. He would send the Messiah who would restore the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day pointed to his coming. And as you know, his son did come. He came to restore the Sabbath rest. He proclaimed himself as the Lord of the Sabbath. The Pharisees and the scribes, however, had made that day of celebration a day of do's and don'ts. They had made that day very burdensome to the people. They had made it into a day of anxiety and angst. The people were afraid of that day. They were afraid of doing something that they were not supposed to, and thereby sinning against God. It was no longer the day of joy that God had intended. The joy had gone out of it. And that, brothers and sisters, made the Lord Jesus very sad. It made him angry even. Those self-righteous Jews had made that day of joy into a celebration of man's work, of man's own righteousness. For they taught that by their works they could fulfill the Sabbath. By their works they could restore peace. But by proclaiming himself the Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord Jesus indicates that he alone can do that that he is the one who has authority over that day. For when you are the Lord of something, then you also own it. That means that you have control over it. And so what did the Lord of the Sabbath say about that day? He said that that day was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, it's God's gift to man to enjoy that day. It's a day of celebration. And it is a day of celebration all the more because the Son of Man is now among them. He is the one who will store that day into the way it was in paradise. For he is the one who takes away all sin and all the effects of sin. It looks forward to our eternal rest with our Lord and Savior in paradise. 
and therefore who say that these words in Hebrews refer to our spiritual rests acquired by Christ are absolutely right. But is that all it means in our text? Can we just leave it at that? Well, look at how the NIV and others translates this passage in Hebrews 4, verse 9 and 10. They refer here not just to any rest, but to the Sabbath rest. Some translations only have the word rest here, but that's wrong. They make no distinction from all the other references in chapter 3 and 4 to the rest acquired by the Lord Jesus Christ. In those passages, the word rest occurs no less than 11 times. However, here in verse 9 and 10, a word is used that is used nowhere else. Indeed, you won't find that word anywhere else in the whole New Testament. It is the Greek word sabbatismos, and translated here as Sabbath rest. The Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uses the verb form of that word several times. And it always then refers to the physical rest on the Sabbath, on the seventh day. Why would the author of the letter to the Hebrews now suddenly use another word? Well, not for stylistic reasons. He had a specific purpose in mind, for he only uses it once here. And he uses this word to indicate that a physical rest, not just a spiritual rest, as required in the Old Testament, is still necessary in the New. Oh no, he doesn't want to go back to the Sabbath rest on the seventh day, the way it was done in the Old Testament. Nor does he want to go back to the Old Testament regulations and prohibitions. Throughout the letter to the Hebrews, the author has shown in so many ways how things have been fulfilled in Christ. Of all the books in the Bible, this one especially shows the transition from the old to the new. The old has passed away and the new covenant is now in effect. And that means that now the last day of the week is no longer the Sabbath. That day has been replaced by the first day. For there is no doubt that the Lord Jesus himself had instituted that day as a day of celebration. The first day of the week was a day of restoration. It was on the first day of the week that the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. And it was on that day that the Lord Jesus met with his disciples after his resurrection on two consecutive Sundays. And it was that day, as we know from Revelation 1 verse 10, that from then on in became known as the Lord's Day. It was also on that day that the early Christians gathered together, as is evident from Paul's letters. Oh, sure, Paul also met in the synagogues on a Saturday. That is because the Jews were still worshiping on the seventh day. But he wanted to show them that the Lord Jesus had fulfilled also that day. And that from now on, they should worship on the first day of the week. The old look forward to the restoration in the Messiah in Christ. And brothers and sisters, we are now looking forward to the final restoration. The final rest in Christ, which commences on the last day, the day of judgment. A day of rest is still set aside for that very purpose, to remember, to reflect, and to anticipate our final rest. 
come to the third point. It says in verse 10 of chapter 4 that anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work just as God did from his. Man therefore has to enter God's Sabbath rest. How do you do that? Well, you do that through faith. The author of the letter to the Hebrews warns the people that they must enter God's rest. They must not be like their forefathers who failed to enter that Canaan rest because of unbelief. If you want to enter God's rest, you have to have faith. And you must enter God's Sabbath rest through faith. It's the only way. How do you receive that faith? And once we have it, how does that faith get strengthened? Well, Paul says in Romans 10 verse 14 that faith comes especially by hearing God's word. It comes through the preaching, he says. Man must be reminded of God's wonderful act of creation and recreation through his son, Jesus Christ. As we heard also this morning about God's wonderful work of creation and the promise of recreation. He promises that there is a day of rest for God's people, for God's people in the midst of troubles. Oh, sure, as also the Catechism says, every day we have to rest from our evil works. But how can you rest from your evil works if you do not have faith? It is only through faith that you can enter God's Sabbath rest. It is only through faith that you can receive the joy of the eternal Sabbath of our Lord God. Lord Jesus Christ said that all those who are weary and heavy laden, that they must come to him and he will give them rest. It is that rest that is proclaimed here from the pulpit every Sunday, brothers and sisters, in the morning and in the afternoon. Because we need to hear about that rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to hear about the great joy of our salvation. It's for that reason that we must diligently attend the worship services as the catechism also urges us. And that is why the author says further in his letter in Hebrews 10 verse 25, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You may not neglect the worship services, but is that enough? Is it enough just to go to church on Sundays and then to do whatever you want? Is that what it means to enter into God's Sabbath rest? Is there no longer a full day of celebration? Are we now poorer than the Old Testament believer who had a whole day set aside for worship? Can we now continue to do our work and partake in all kinds of recreational activities as if now the Sunday is just another day? Oh sure, there are works of necessity that need to be done also on a Sunday, but regular work, should we still engage in that? Think about it, why did the Lord God set a whole day aside for the worship in the first place? What was the reason? Well, he knows how it is with us he knows how prone we are to be busy with ourselves. He knows how man so easily puts thoughts about God and his kingdom to the side and tries to make his own little kingdom. Man needs a whole day 
to dedicate himself to thinking and meditating about God and his wonderful works of creation and recreation. And we need one day each week to do that. Oh, sure, now there is a difference between the old and the new. In the Old Testament, there were some very clear do's and don'ts for the Sabbath. For example, they were not allowed to gather up the firewood on that day. Do you know, however, why they were not allowed to do that? Because to gather up firewood was hard work. It took a lot of time. For do not forget that when the Lord gave those instructions, they were in the wilderness. Firewood was hard to come by. If they were to do all those kinds of everyday jobs, then the proper worship of the Lord would be threatened. You cannot properly devote yourself to the worship of the Lord if the whole day you are busy with all kinds of other things. Now let us apply that principle of the Old Testament to the new, to today. For that is what we must do. For what does it say in Article 25 of the Belgian Confession? It says that all the shadows of the law had been fulfilled in Christ. Indeed, there you have the fulfillment in Christ. But what does it state further? It states further that the truth and substance remain for us in Christ Jesus. That, brothers and sisters, and that includes you boys and girls, also applies to the Sabbath. There remains a Sabbath rest, a physical rest for the people of God. The truth and the substance of the Sabbath observant are still in effect. And so how do, you, how do we celebrate the Lord's Day? Well, that whole day is still meant for the worship of the Lord. It may not be so that you just show up for the worship services and then do whatever you like for the rest. No, the whole day is dedicated to the Lord. The whole day is geared for worship. For don't think that now we are so much different from the Old Testament believer that we can just do with a few hours of worship, that we don't need to set that day aside any longer, that we can work and partake of all kinds of activities, that we can skip a church service once in a while even and travel on a Sunday when we don't have to. doesn't really matter anymore. It does matter. It matters a great deal. God gives you that day as an oasis in the week to recharge yourself spiritually and also physically so that you can put your daily activities into perspective. Why do you work, brothers and sisters? Well, you work to the glory of God. We may not busy ourselves with all kinds of other things on the day of the Lord. Oh, sure, we may not be legalistic about what we can and cannot do on this Sunday. And no doubt the Senate in the Netherlands was also concerned about legalism in that regard. We've been given a lot of freedom. And what may be right for one may not be right for another. We have all our consciences before the Lord. The Lord has poured out his Holy Spirit on us. And through the Holy Spirit, we know what God wants from us. But what kind of freedom does he give us to serve him and not ourselves? work on the Sunday and if you do all the other kinds of activities that you partake in also during the week then you sin against the fourth commandment 
and then your daily activities take precedence over your proper worship of the Lord. And then the Sunday is not really a day of celebration for you. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. God's Sabbath rest is the rest of paradise. It is the rest when there is no more sin. It is the rest of eternal life. It is that total rest that will be here on earth as well on the last day, the day when Christ will return on the clouds, when all sin will be eradicated. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, God is preparing you and me for that day, and he wants you and me to look forward to that day, and it is for that reason that he gives us the Lord's day so that we may learn to live holy lives so that we can learn about the forgiveness of sins in the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, beloved, we still need a day of rest. We need that one day in the week when we can recharge ourselves. The Lord has given that day. Let us not neglect it. Let us not fail to enter God's rest. Amen.
Ja, das ist 